you when someone like unfortunately the funerals that I've been been to have not been many but they have been very very close individuals so the way that I process grieving is at first I feel really numb and I don't feel anything so like when my mom died I never really processed that the entire time I just kind of put it in the back of my mind I knew she wasn't there and I didn't really understand but I, I wasn't able to process it um, so once my sister died that's whenever both of them hit me at the same time. So I just had this overwhelming sense of grief, like for both of them. And then there was just this little voice inside of me that, you know, really t for me, it was my faith telling me that everything was going to be okay and that something beautiful was going to come out of it. Like it was just the craziest thing. Like as much as I just wanted to, you know, break down and cry my eyes out, like God was telling me that it's going to be okay. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Though the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. Okay, well, the brink of greatness can mean many things to many people, but they're always interesting stories, and it really showcases the human spirit, people. It's people who are out there who've sometimes taken a challenge in life, maybe something has happened to them, and they've turned it into really a, a positive step in their life to do something to benefit other people or change the trajectory of life. Uh, uh, Kevin, this is uh, clearly a story today that is, it, it's a big story. I mean, this is, this is not a small one by any stretch when we get into this today, uh, because this, this really is about life and death. And initially when we started, it's going to be more about death. Absolutely. I, you know, when I read these stories and I try to find the person that has that, that uniqueness about them and, their, and the ability to overcome adversity, I was reading through Shana's story and just recognized the fact that, you know, when her mother commits suicide and her sister uh, was murdered, and I see that she's taking something that was negative and making it a positive to help others, I always think that we have to get that story out there and people have to understand right. that this is happening to many people around the country and around the world. And it's time that we need to take a stand and make a difference. Yeah, well, there's something to learn from these stories, clearly. But uh, I would like everybody to meet today here, Shana Qualls. Um, and uh, Shana, do you live in, and may I ask you, do you live in the, because uh, we're going to talk about Tennessee today, do you live in the Tennessee area? I do. I live in Nashville. Yeah, Nashville, I hear it's a very interesting, I mean, a lot of people love Nashville. I've got several people on the platform uh, that they say it's a really, um, I mean, I've been to Nashville uh, uh, multiple times, but I've never lived there. But a lot of people speak very highly of it. Is Do you like the Nashville area? Yeah, I love it. It's full of um, entrepreneurship. Like if you want to start a business or you have um, great vision, Nashville is definitely a place to go. Right. It's what I hear. So good things about it. What's interesting, I did not know, and we'll talk more about this, and I, this was an eye-opener for me, but that Tennessee 
is in the top 10 most dangerous states for domestic violence and related homicides, huh? It is. And um, there's actually 77,000 cases, according to the TBI, um, that are filed for domestic violence each year. And about 36,000 of those are filed from Nashville. And those are the ones that are actually filed. Imagine the ones that are people right. don't report. Right. So let's, there's even more. Let's come back to that a little bit later. I want to talk to you sure. about that Tennessee market a little bit after for sure. It's, it's on my mind. I know listeners probably have a lot of questions as well. I know I do. But I want to get uh, right now talk about you and your personal story. And I want to cover some of the things you're doing later on as you've gotten to the brink of greatness. But let's bring it back to uh, what I call really the, the point of impact, uh, Shana. And it really is where... It almost is like an absurd moment where you start asking a lot of questions uh, within yourself. This is where you, prior to you starting the organization, uh, the, the charity work you're doing, the, the awareness you're trying to raise. And I guess it all started with your mom, who was a victim, uh, badly, from what I see from photographs and other things, of domestic violence. Is that correct? Yeah, she was. Yeah. And and this went on, I guess, a good part of it. How old was you when this was happening to your mom? Um, it's from as far the the earliest memory I have is whenever I was three. Um, so my entire childhood. So your entire childhood. How old was you when your mom took her life? Um, I was 17. It was three weeks before I graduated high school. Yeah, I've seen that somewhere, actually. Three weeks before you yeah. would graduate. So I gotta, I, I've got to ask you. So, all right, so your mom goes through this life of, of being abused. Now, was she married to the person that was abusing her? or? Um, well, throughout my childhood, she had um, several different relationships, and she was married, um, well, I think a total of four times. Um, but, yeah, she was married to the last person. I see. And, and she, but she was married multiple times then. Right. And can I ask you personally, I mean, did, did she just have a way of picking the wrong people? Yeah. And, um, her and I had briefly had that conversation, um, one night when I was around 11 or 12 and, um, ironically, right before she took her life, we had that conversation as well. Um, she just didn't have, um, you know, the self-esteem. She just, she didn't have the, the self-worth and love for herself to recognize the signs and you know do something about it before before it became an issue so she would she just wanted to find love yeah what you say right there is so important Shana that is so important because there are a lot of people who experience what your mom is experiencing you know that yeah yeah I know people who have I know a particular somebody who has a knack for that as well picking the wrong people uh, consistently consistently and it really is more reflection on themselves and their lack of confidence and ability to cope with certain things probably than anything huh well and a lot of times they just don't know that there is better you know they might have grown up in a childhood situation where all they've known is toxic environment so it's just the norm to them um, so it's really about just, you know, taking control of your own life and fixing things that are broken, even if you weren't the one who put them there. Right. Now this has to be, this obviously is rubbing off on you as a young girl. I mean, you're three years old or 17 yeah. and this is the life you know. Now, is it just you and your sisters? They're just two? No, um, my family was a little bit blended. Um, my mother and father divorced when I was three. Um, and so I have an older brother and I have some younger brothers as well. So we're all kind of mixed in. <laughs> yeah. Your sister, your real sister itself. Now she, she, I mean, she's no longer, that's, you only had the one sister, right? Yeah. She was actually my stepsister. She was, okay. um, she, okay. my, 
my father married her mom, so she was um, okay. like one when she became my sister, my stepsister. But so I mean, we are together my entire life. So to me, so she she's was your my, sister, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. absolutely. Shana, so you you come through this as a young girl. You see your mom is constantly is a victim of domestic abuse. She was, I mean, you seen her with a lot of black eyes, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, growing up. Like, I found myself being, you know, eight or nine years old coming out of my room telling him to stop or get off my mom. Or, like, I found I was the one that was taking up for her. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of situations um, that happened like that when I was growing up. I mean, how did that affect you, impact you? And, and now as an adult, how did, I mean, the scars have got to be deep. Yeah, I'm very um, hypersensitive to danger. Um, so, I mean, there's it comes that kind of thing like will develop into PTSD you know so like you have to really like work through the scars that you have so it doesn't carry on over into your relationships as an adult like I don't want to feel like every man I see is dangerous just because every man I saw when I was growing up is dangerous so you have to really work through those things okay I'm going to ask you at uh, 17 years old you're three weeks out from your graduation, Shana. For you're going to graduate from high school, right? Mm-hmm. And your mom decides at that point that she doesn't want to live anymore. And she takes her life. What was going on at that point that she, what was, what was the, what was happening? Was that a real low, that obviously was a low point for her. Was something else happening at that moment in life or? Well, um, she'd been in, in that marriage um, for almost a year. I know they dated for a year, then they got married. Um, but the whole entire time, it was toxic. Um, so what I remember mostly is that she had ended up filing an order of protection against him um, to keep him away from her. Um, and with an order of protection, you're not allowed to contact the victim whatsoever. Like, can't you can't call them. You can't talk to them through, ch- you know, through children. You can't see them. You can't show up to their work. You can't do any of that stuff. Like, so if you do any of that, you're breaking the order of protection. Right. Um, so she did serve him with an order of protection. And then she actually logged. Uh, my grandmother keeps records of everything. And she had my mom write down all the times that he broke down, broke the order of protection. So I have every date and time that he broke it by trying to contact wow. her. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have that record now. Um, so whenever, through, basically it was about, the order protection was about 30 days long. Um, so he broke it for like 30 days. Like he would call her like seven or eight times every single day or try to try to put the step, it would be basically her stepkids on the phone to talk to her, to relay messages. Like he was constantly doing those things. So she was being tormented. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he would not stop. Yeah, he would not Even stop. Even though there was this order of protection, he right. was he was tormenting her. He wouldn't oh, let yeah. her go. Exactly. And so now, I mean, you have to question yourself, Shana. Why three weeks before your graduation? Right. And like for for my mom, I just don't think that I was... I don't think I was in her mind at that time because she was so engulfed in her own situation. Like whenever, um, whenever the notes for the order protection stopped, it was actually the day before their anniversary. Mm-hmm. There was a note that she put on the piece of paper that said he called to wish her happy anniversary. And then the note stopped. So that's when she went back to him. Like he pulled on her heartstrings about the anniversary. Their anniversary was in April um, and I graduated in May. So their um, their anniversary was in April. And then basically they were, you know, he gives her the whole 
um, honeymoon phase. You know, there's phases to domestic violence, and the first one is the honeymoon phase. Um, you know, how he loves her, and he's sorry, and he's never going to do this, and he's going to, you know, make sure that he does what he's supposed to do, what he promises her, and all this stuff. And then he didn't fulfill his promise a couple of weeks later, and she was just done. Like, she was just she done. She was done. Did yeah. she Did she leave a note, a letter, or something else, a message to you? She, she did. She, um, she left a suicide letter um, that, and I'm 17 years old reading this, so it's, like, so heartbreaking because the entire letter was about him. Um, the, not, there was really one line about her kids. It was just, you know, tell my kids I love them and I'm proud of them. And I'm just like, really, mom? Like, oh, like that's what I got. And the whole letter went to him. Like, that's what I was thinking at 17. Um, the entire letter was like, um, things like, I'll never, I'll never be able to possess what it takes to make you happy. Um, you've made me know for sure that you're not the person that you said that we're, we're not, you know, we're not going to be what we said we're going to be together. Um, you know, I just, there's no, no way I can ever do what you want me to do. I'm never going to be good enough. So the like letter those, was directed to him. Oh, absolutely. The letter was, was written to him and it was like, tell my kids, I love them. I'm proud of them. Tell my mom, I love her too. And that, it was so eerie at the end of the letter. She wrote goodbye, my darling. Oh my dear. Cause that's what they called each other. So like, it's a like, goodbye, my darling. And then she signed her name and it was just so eerie to read that. And she didn't leave a separate note or anything no. for you. That's very, very interesting, isn't it? She was just so into, into him and her relationship. She was, I mean, my mother was just a, a you know, unfortunately a scarred, broken lady. And um, it wasn't until I was older and understood the effects of domestic violence and how much that she was wanting to find love and be accepted. And she was trying to get it from someone who didn't have the capability to give her what she needed. Um, because abuse doesn't have anything to do with what, you do or did it has everything to do with who they are so she was trying to get something from him that he couldn't deliver her it was never going to be able to but she didn't know like she didn't she didn't have the the capacity to understand or know what type of environment that she was going to be in and that it was never going to be what he, the fantasy was never going to come true so now she takes her life and then uh, you graduate from school. I mean, life changes now. Yeah. It's changed, right? Changed uh, quickly. I mean, it's all different now, right? Right. And she, I mean, there was no charge for a crime or anything because nobody did anything specifically. Nobody, right? right? I mean, it was, she did it yeah. herself. Yeah. Right. I, I have to ask you, it's, I, I, I got to circle back and ask you this question. I, I hope it doesn't pry too much, but I... Through all those years, was you abused at all? Um, I was. Um, there was one of her partners that did abuse me. Um, I was physically abused. Um, but that also was a healing process that I had to go through. And, you know, I eventually told the authorities. But in my case, it was it was 11 months outside of the statute of limitations to be able to charge anyone. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not able to charge that person. Um, with any of the abuse that they did to me. But yeah, I, I definitely was abused as a child. I kind of thought, because it doesn't, that's typically what happens. And the kids usually are a byproduct of that, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely common. Yeah. All right. So now, from that point when that happens when you're 17, give me the timeline of your sister. When, when was this? Uh, I don't, was it after that? It was after that. Um, okay. It was around when I was 26. It was 2012. Oh. Um, so I graduated high school in 2004. Okay. And then my sister was murdered in 2012. And, I mean, who, who, do we know who did it? Or? Yeah, there is, um, I mean, there was a case 
that you know everyone went to, went to court went to trial um basically at this point um it's determined that it was um my sister's ex-boyfriend's father um who violently murdered her and he actually admitted to trying to kill her multiple times but through the course of leading up to that she was in a relationship with her boyfriend for years um, and it was a very toxic relationship. You know, he had caused issues with our family versus their family. It was just a whole control thing. Um, there's a whole lot of details. I can't really get into that. But um, she was in a domestic violence relationship the entire time. Um, and then when she finally chose to escape him, an argument had happened between the two of them that supposedly had caused the grandfather to intervene. And then the grandfather decided that he basically got mad enough to want to kill her. So they were calling it a crime, a crime of passion at first, but then he admitted that he mul- tried to kill her multiple times. Wow, that is heavy. Yeah, is and heavy. she was only um, like 23 at the time. 23, yeah, 23. Mm-hmm. Or 22, 20. I think she um, mm-hmm. was about to turn 23. I see, I see. And um, so now it hits again. Now you've got, I mean, this this obviously happens close to you again. You lose somebody who mm-hmm. you love. You, you lose your sister, right? Yeah. What what are you saying to yourself at this point? I mean, how do you how do you handle this when this happens in November 2012? Yeah, so um for me when someone like unfortunately the funerals that I've been been to have not been many, but they have been very very close individuals. So the way that I process grieving is at first I feel really numb and I don't feel anything. So like when my mom died, I never really processed that the entire time I just kind of put it in the back of my mind I knew she wasn't there and I didn't really understand but I I wasn't able to process it um so once my sister died that's whenever both of them hit me at the same time so I just had this overwhelming sense of grief like for both of them and then there was just this little voice inside of me that you know really for me it was my faith telling me that everything was going to be okay and that something beautiful was going to come out of it Like, it was just the craziest thing. Like, as much as I just wanted to, you know, break down and cry my eyes out, like, God was telling me that it's going to be okay. That that, that must have been around early 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from the timeline here. Mm -hmm. And so that was the point where, I mean, just before then, with the the murder and death of your sister, that was obviously the lowest point of all. I mean... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there is nothing else that... (laughs) I couldn't handle anything else at that point. Like, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you were experiencing the emotions from all of it, including what happened to your mom and now your sister as well, and now it's all right there, right? Right. And so at that point, you tell yourself. So, you know, that really is, Shana, that that is definitely an absurdity moment. I mean, that's completely absurd. I mean, to the point that, I mean, it's real life, but you've got to be questioning yourself. I mean, you've got to be questioning everything at that point. Yeah, I'm just, you know, you're just, you're just really sick of all the toxic abuse that's in your life. So, I mean, watching it growing up, going through it growing up, and then now my mom is gone and my sister is gone, like, you're done. Like, you're sick of it. Like, you're done. Like, that's where I was at. I was just so tired of all the abuse that I was going to be the, I was going to be the cycle breaker. The cycle breaker. And and I wanted to ask you that. I'm so glad you said that, cycle breaker, because it's been on my mind before I ever talked to you, before we just started the talk here. I was wondering if you're going to, I wanted to ask you that at some point about breaking the cycle. Do you, you are the, I mean, you've not had any of these problems in your own life. Absolutely not. Um, So fortunate, I was fortunate enough to watch and know the signs growing up. 
So I know if I'm in a relationship and it's going to turn violent or the, the man or whoever, you know, cause it happens to men and men and women. But, um, so if I'm with a man and I feel like he's going to be violent or if I feel like he shows violent tendencies or mm-hmm. anyone around my children or anything like that, I know what to look for. Um, so, and I also educate my children on that as well. So yeah, it's definitely not going to happen in my life. <laughs> Absolutely not. This story that was written uh, about you this past October in Tennessee uh, called Spreading Courage and Giving the Wings to Uplift and Fly, right? That article? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's you in that article, clearly, right? Yeah, that's yeah. me. I mean, you're a beautiful, beautiful woman there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, you are, look. I mean, that's uh, that's an awesome picture there. But that was a recent uh, article they put uh, that was done. Was that in the Tennessean or something out there? Or? Yeah, so October is um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, so that article was for domestic violence awareness. One of the biggest lessons I want people to take away from this first segment that we're talking about, Shana, is the fact that somebody, everybody, we, each of us, we have to feel worthy of ourselves. We, we've got to feel like we're worth it. I mean, cause your mom didn't experience that, right? I mean, she, right. yeah, that's important here, isn't it? To the story. Absolutely. Self-worth, right? Self-worth. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, this is a problem where people, and because you begin to wonder why she had made so many bad choices. I mean, you know, one time, okay, maybe it's an accident or something happens or you make a wrong decision, right? But right. she kept doing it time and time and time again throughout your whole childhood, right? Right. But at some point, you got to ask yourself why, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, but you kind of, you just, that became a way of life for you though, didn't it? Yeah, I was I was very used to it. <laughs> she introduced me to a lot. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so you went through mm-hmm. an awful lot as a young lady, and because it was part of life, you you probably didn't even know anything different at some point, right? No, I I didn't. Um, I was very different. Um, I always felt like an outcast um, because you know even going to school, I went to a very small high school in the county of but an amazing like there are amazing people in the county that I grew up in, but I just never felt like I belonged. I always felt different. Um, and even after high school, I felt different. Um, and even now I feel different um, just because of the things that I've been through and not everyone's experienced and not everybody can relate to you. Well, I, I'm going to guess that you, I, I can already have a sense about you. I feel your energy and I, I'm going to guess that you you really believe uh, with everything you just said that there's a big purpose for you, isn't there? Absolutely. Yes. Let's pause a moment, friends. We'll be back with more of the Brink of Greatness in just a moment here. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Point of Impact is now where you begin to take all this and you realize, Shana, that you've got to do more with your life. Why is that? How did that happen? Bring us to that point and bring the journey forward, please. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about my faith a little bit um, because that's a big huge part in it if you don't mind i would love it if you would please (laughs) okay um so after my sister died um that was kind of the turning point for me that i'd always believed in god and always believed that there was a god um but when i was a child going through the things that i went through 
um, obviously we didn't go to church. Um, there was no church in my life or anything like that. Um, but I always believed in God and I knew that, that he was around. He, it just wasn't a very intimate relationship. Whenever, um, I would pray at night, I would pray to myself. I would always pray to God and say, as a little girl, like nine or 10, I would say, you know, please God, keep me safe. But I felt that there were so many people asking him to do things that I would always pray, let me know if there's something I can do for you. And I was praying for my purpose as a child, going through all the things that I was going through. And it wasn't until I was like around my age at the time that my sister died that I realized what I was praying for. Like I was asking God to give me a purpose the entire time I was going through that. Now stop and, there. And, I love this. So how old are you when you're doing this? Like nine. Like I just felt so much compassion. Like, cause you know, when you, you know, the most compassionate people are the ones who have been through things. Right. Um, and I just felt like, God, like everybody's asking you to do all this stuff. Like I can't just keep putting this on you. Like, tell me what I can do for you. I know you're tired, but I didn't know that God was like limitless and almighty. And, you know, I didn't know all these things. Growing up, I was just like, God, we just keep praying to you. Like, we're just asking you for all this stuff. Like, tell me what I can do for you. Like, let me do something for you. That's how my prayers would go. Right. But yeah, how do you think God accomplishes his purposes? Um, obviously, everything happens for a reason. Um, and through, through people like yeah. you and everyone else <laughs> accomplishing things to help other people. Right. I mean, so roughly, yes, when you ask for the, your purpose, you found it. And you're the one accomplishing God's purpose for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't I didn't realize that as a child. And it wasn't until I got older that, you know, when I started getting a more intimate relationship with God that I realized what I was what I had been doing those years. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's so beautiful. Like, I'm asking for my purpose. And I didn't, like, I didn't even know, like in the midst of my own storm and my own wilderness, I'm asking to help him. Like, that's so crazy. I mean, here's the thing now. How many other nine year olds do you know out there? that are praying to God and asking what they can do for God. You're asking God now, and the way yeah. you say that is absolutely a game stopper to me, that you're praying to say, what can I do for you, God? Yeah. I mean, so, but, but here's the thing. Most people in that position, I think, Shane, and correct me on this, but I think a lot of people, I don't say most, but a lot of people would feel uh, guilt. They would feel anger. They would feel a lot. In other words, they would pray to God and probably give God hell. You know, why did you put me in this position? You know, why am yeah. I here? Why? I mean, I mean, that's what I see. A lot of people would say, this isn't fear, God. Why would you do this to me? Or, you know, or maybe you're not real or something else. But you're praying to God and you're saying, you know, what can I do for you, God? Right. Well, that and, just um, changes everything. And don't get me wrong, when I got older and I learned about God, I was pissed. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like, we, Tim and I have had lots of conversations about that. But um, but during the time, I never once was mad at him because that's that was my normal. Like, I didn't know any different. All right, I got I to gotta go there now because that's so cute the way you put that out there. Now, hold on. That, that's really good. So, so you're nine years old. You're younger. This is what you're doing. Now, but what happened when you find, I mean, I see what you went through, but when it happened to your sister, was that the time you were pissed? Um, it or was, when was it? When was it that you were, that you was felt like that way? when I was starting to really like, that was when I was like igniting, but I wasn't fully on fire yet. Okay. 
um, it wasn't until like, cause you know, I told you the way I processed grief is like a little bit delayed. So it wasn't until like a few more months later that I like really started having a super intimate relationship. Oh, okay. Well, God is supposed to do these things for me or God does this for me. I'm like, okay, hold on. Cause, um, you didn't do that for me. So now let's talk like that. was <laughs> That was never, I was getting pissed. And that's um, when you were giving it back to God a little bit. And what was yeah. the message back to you? I wonder. Um, well, that's a good question. Um, so my battle with, with God was for about a year. Um, but then while I was going through that, um, I knew at that point that I wanted to do something. I just didn't know what I wanted to do, but that was, like I said, I'm the cycle breaker. Um, and because I've gone through all those things and I've seen all that, like, like bullies are like my, the thing that just like, you know, everybody has that one thing that just makes them mad. Like seeing a bully, like I just can't, like I just can't watch that. So I was like, I know I have to do something to help, you know, individuals that are going through this through this thing, you know, domestic violence. So, um, so basically, I was like, what can I do? And and just God put it in my heart to share my mom's story. So I'm like, I know that my mom would want me to share her story. I know she'd want people to know. You know something, um, I love what you're saying in all of this. I mean, you really touch a lot of people here in your testimony, you know. And the the whole point of being able to look at this in the way that you're looking at it, Shana, is in a very holistic manner, you know. It's a, it, really, you're looking at things in a very holistic manner. And the decisions you've made and impacting people that you want to impact now and what you're doing with the organization that you're going to do with it and the people you'll touch and impact in this world is truly, truly amazing. I mean, it's an incredible gift. Um, I am really taken in with your messages back and forth with God and where you're at and the conversations and communications you're having. But throughout all of that, you knew you wanted to do something unique with your life and you say break the cycle. There are a lot of people out there who don't know how to break the cycle. So now bring it forward. Now you want to, now you're on fire. So now you've got this moment, you're back and forth with God and now you decide you're going to do something. Right. So what I did was, um, like I said, I wanted to share my mom's story. So I started a a Facebook page and, um, I called the Facebook page, um, wings of courage because it symbolized butterflies. And there's more to that story that I'll get to in a second. But when I shared my mom's story before, cause you know, on Facebook, you know, you can, you can, you can either spend money to share it or you can, you know, ask other people to share it. So, um, before I put it on Facebook, I prayed to God and I, and I told him, you know, I know I have to do something, whatever this is going to be. It's all you, you do. You make sure that this, this story reaches whoever it is that needs to hear this. Like, please just get it where it needs to go. Like I didn't ask for anything specific. I was just like, send this to whoever it needs to go to. And whenever I sent the story out, it literally was shared 2.5 million times. Like it went viral in like three days. So in a whole, like in a week, I had 20,000 followers on my Facebook page. Why do you think it went viral? Why do you think it went viral? Because I told God to send it where I needed to go, and He sent it to everybody. <laughs> like, like, it, <laughs> like He sent it to the like He sent it to the world. I had people from London on there, like, like from the Philippines, like every it's everywhere. It's well, you everywhere. were stunned. You were stunned. Absolutely, I was like, wow. There's no doubt about it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's when I knew for sure that that Wings of Courage was supposed to have, have been created, and that my mom's story was supposed to have been told. Wow, that was the rallying call. 
Yeah, that was like, you know, the, the, the first step forward. The first step forward. The first step forward. So here you are now. I love this. You're having this conversation back and forth with God. At one point, you you know, you how can I help you, God? And the next minute, you know, you're giving him hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> and back and forth <laughs> in a loving sort of way, but, it, you know, it happens, right? And, uh, and of course, you know, God knows all of this as well. You're not going to put anything over on, on uh, the commander. Right, he already knew. Of yeah. course, of course, of course. He knows your heart, obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but what's unique is you do this on a whim, not with any motivation or agenda. Right, exactly. Right. That's what's beautiful about it. I love things like that. They just happen. They're, they're holistic in nature, I said, you know. They're natural, right? And they just develop. They happen. So you do that. You get this response. You then realize wings of courage needs to be something, huh? Right, exactly. So at that point, um, whenever all the followers came, I was getting so many messages from all of these victims from across the world. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is so overwhelming because it happened in a week. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I need are you to answering people back and talking to them and everything? Of and... course. Yeah, of course. I would never leave them hanging. I'm like, what did you do with your day job? <laughs> I, I mean, you know how millennials are with social media. We do both. <laughs> I, do, I do know that. Go ahead. I do know that. I just hope um, y'all don't get bad backs in the meantime from looking over at those phones. <laughs> no, it's okay. It worked out. <laughs> well, how did it work out? Tell us. <laughs> so um, I was able to actually, I have a friend who um, I've been friends with since we were in elementary school and she would help me reply back to them too. So I wasn't doing it by myself. Um, there, She was helping me. So what are some of the stories that you heard and about others? I mean, that touched you. Yeah, um, there are so many people that have been through the same thing that I have been through. They had been through abuse themselves as they were younger or watched their parents or um, also they've had sisters die and mothers die. Um, if you go to the page, you can't stay on there for more than like two seconds before you read hundreds of stories that are so similar to mine. Like, it's amazing in an unfortunate way how many people can even relate to me based on awesome? just one story. You feel that bond with them? Oh, absolutely. Like, we're all connected. Yeah, absolutely. Shana, why is the world so screwed up? Be <laughs> because the world is a fallen world. It yeah. just is. Yeah, why are so many people having so many troubles with these kinds of things? I mean, you're you're making me question that because of the response you say you're getting. And why is it so bad? There are just so many people. I mean, in my opinion, there are just so many people that have like haven't broken the cycle you know they've been living the same thing their mom went through the same thing their grandma you know and then before that and then it's just normal to them and they are not the ones that stand up and make the change and hmm. some it's the abusers that usually have been through things themselves i have mean you, have you written a book yet i'm going to of course but you I haven't. are of course you are well yeah i got two <laughs> names for you already you obviously got wings of courage which is obviously right. automatic <laughs> but the other one the other book you got to write there's a second one i got i'm, I'm giving you homework now you know that okay. the second the second one is uh, breaking the cycle the cycle yeah. you talk about that's right. a big one how, how about giving god hell Right. Oh, that's a good one. And there's a third I one for you. I do that all the time. You got three now. books to do there, young lady. You'll be busy. I'm so busy. <laughs> You've made this into its own thing. It's a nonprofit. It's a what is it? A five hundred one c three and all. Yes. 
And that took um, a lot of work too. That like, if you want to start a nonprofit, it's not like starting a regular business. So if you don't have time and dedication and it's not really your purpose or passion, don't even try it. Did you have to get an attorney for that or did you do it yourself? I did it myself. Did you? God bless you, honey. So I hired, I hired, um, you know, someone to help me to do it, a consultant, Mm -hmm. but that I'll just say that didn't work out. So I ended (laughs) up, I ended up doing it myself. Um, I just went to the IRS website and made sure I wasn't on, you know, they give you that, that list of 13 reasons why your 501c3 would be denied. And I just made sure I was not on any of those. Okay. And, um, I just basically all of my mission, vision statements and all that stuff, I'd created all that myself, like the entire business plan I did myself. So when I, when I go, when I'm ready to go file the, uh, yeah, call me, I got you. uh, You'll help me with that young lady. (laughs) Trust me, I'm good at it. Uh, I need somebody sharp and we're going to set up the foundation. So I'll need your help. I got it. (laughs) You got it. Good. Because that paperwork drives, me crazy Shannon. oh yeah it's crazy <laughs> you got to have a good mindset for that so what is wings of courage what are we doing now what's happening with with it because it's actually like a ministry isn't it yeah so um because you know I, I gave it to god on day one um anything that ever happens to it i can never take the credit it's all him um so right now since we've got 501c3 status you know i can now take donations and they're tax deductible and i can apply for grants so we're getting that started um and i'm the the ultimate goal of Wings of Courage is to, the mission is to make it across the nation, not only Tennessee, but every state. Um, so re- ultimately, it's going to be a retreat for healing. So for a domestic violence victim that has already, say they were in a situation and they escaped, and then they went to um, shelter, and they finished their shelter program, that shelter would basically refer them to me, and then they can live in in the transitional house for six to 12 months. And it's not just the communal living. It's not just, you know, a regular house. It's a retreat for healing. So in the house, it will have a sanctuary. Um, so they can worship there if they're Christians, if, if they're not Christians, they can still come. They don't have to participate in that part. Um, but I wanted that to be part of the house, of course. And, um, you know, there'll be massage therapists on site, um, there'll be counseling, um, life skill classes, like learning, you know, some, some victims have been, you know, financially abused where they haven't, they don't even know how to balance a checkbook. They don't know how debit cards work because, you know, the, the spouse has always had control of that. So they're just basic life things that we have to teach them. Um, so they'll be able to come there because once you escape, that's when the healing starts. And doing that by yourself mm-hmm. is just, it's so hard. Like you really need somebody there with you. So um, you have big plans ahead. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and, and you're, you're probably going to have these the these. Um, re, I don't know what you call it. It's not a resort. What would you call it? A um, healing a re- facility? A retreat? Yeah, like a like a transformation because Trans- oh, because like the whole thing the whole thing is for butterflies, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, I really want to use butterfly terms like transformation. Um, that's actually a great word for that transformation yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. the whole butterfly deal right well let's right. i'll tell you we're going to pause here a moment we'll pick that back up i want to then i, w- I want to hone in a little bit to okay. uh, a little bit more to the also the um what's going on it, I, i'm really perplexed with tennessee I'm, I'm really scratching my head here when i find out some of the things you've shared with us already uh, about this, I did not know, but I, I'd like to know a little bit more about that and what's happening. Uh, uh, I don't know; it's uh, it's kind of a head scratcher a little bit here. We'll pause. We'll be right back in just a moment, here, friends. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. 
Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Her purpose, uh, her meaning was much greater than what she even realized and she formed a not-for-profit Wings of Courage based out of Nashville, Tennessee. One of the things I am amazed to see here that I, I really want to talk to you about, and I, I know listeners got to be questioning as well as I am. Why is, and I don't know that you have the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it. Why is Tennessee one of the top 10 most dangerous states for domestic violence? Um, well, my opinion is that it's cultural and um, we all have guns. <laughs> like, it's a, like, it's just, you know, everybody has you know, the, the means to possess, you know, an average person in, in Nashville or even in middle Tennessee probably has at least two to seven guns. Like, it's just a thing, you know, hunting is a big thing. Um, and then, you know, education is a part of it. Um, it's really just cultural to me. So you think the fact that they're readily available, you mean that the guns and stuff are that, that people are going like having bad days and using them in the wrong way or something? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if I, if I want a gun, I know right now where to go get one. Like it's like, it, they're just, it's, it's easy. Like Tennessee is like a gun carrying state. Like, it's, well, let me ask you this. W- would you have a gun to protect yourself? Absolutely. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. So you, you, so you, it's not that you don't believe in them. You, you know, you need it for sur- sur- sometimes. Yeah. Sure. Okay, okay. So, all right. So you're not opposed in that way. So no. what, is it just a lack of education? Is it, a, I mean, obviously people have a right to be arms. It's, it's our privilege and right in this, in this nation, but you don't have a right to murder people or to shoot people. No. And, and that's crazy. This really, this wasn't part of the story, but now that we're talking about it, um, my grandmother, which was my dad's mom, like she was shot in the face with a shotgun by her, one of her husbands. Oh my God. So like, the fact that they're just laying around and when, you know, when the wrong person gets a hold of it at the wrong time, you know, and you're in the situation long enough, anything can happen. Yeah. Well, it's a lack of education and a lack yeah. of, and a lack of responsibility too, in some cases. Right. Right. Like you say, if they're leaving them around or this or that, but at the same time, you know, there's an old, there's a message out there that the only way to stop a, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Right. I, I can agree with that. You agree with that. So we got to have more people, good people, that know because guns are the kind of thing. There's no way to put that genie back in the bottle. You you know that, Shana. No, right? if you pull it out, you're gonna you need to know right then that you're gonna use it. So there's no reason to pull it out if you're not gonna use it. Right, but a lot of people have this theory in the in the nation. I see this with recent shootings and stuff where they just want guns to go away, like they were gonna they're mm-hmm. gonna disappear off the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not gonna happen. No. <laughs> and and, and no. the thing and the thing about it is, you see, the other thing I can't convince people on is that bad people don't follow laws. 
Criminals don't follow laws, Shane. No, they don't. They yeah. don't. They don't care about laws. So you can put all the laws in fact you want into play, and guess what, Shana? <laughs> they don't follow laws. No. You know, only law-abiding citizens follow laws, right? And those are the people that are not going to kill you. I can, I can tell you, I can have a thousand guns around me and not shoot anyone. <laughs> like I promise you, I can do it. Well, that's so because we're responsible. It's not the gun. Yeah, it's not the gun. That's the problem. It's not the gun. It's the person. Mm-mm. Don't you think we have a problem with mental illness? Absolutely, we do. And I've seen so much mental illness, like, in the last five to ten years. Then you know, I'm, I'm only 32, but like, I've seen so so much lately. Why is that? There's so much that? of that. Yeah. Does anybody know why? Why is there so much? Why is there so many problems with that? I mean, what's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm not a clinician, but I mean, I just feel like people are not getting treated, you know, like, and also, you know, that's also a cycle as well. You know, it's sometimes it's hereditary. Sometimes, you know, Definitely. your mom, your mom had issues too, and your dad had issues and they never got treated and then they didn't know to treat you, you know, those type things. Yeah, no, it happens. I mean, Kevin, there's a lot of that out there and I, I'm afraid there's too much of it. I've been talking about this a lot on our news programs lately because of the mass shootings, you know? And uh, mental illness is a big problem out there. But again, it's putting the attention, time, and resources in the right area. That's what it's about, you know. And until we start to do that as a nation, that's going to be the problem. But again, Tennessee is such a beautiful area. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. It the is. mountains up there. I love Tennessee. I love to visit up there. In fact, I've even considered moving to Nashville. Come on. <laughs> See? Could, you, think, you think Nashville could put up with Mr. Out Loud? You think that could work? Yeah. Uh, you might fit in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what do you think, Kev? You think Nashville could? <laughs> do you sing country? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I don't know about the singing. Uh, that, I had someone say to me yesterday, you kind of look like Sting, Malcolm. Are you, are you oh, the nice. new Sting? Yeah, I know. I like Sting. I like his music, yeah. I'm not a country guy, but that's okay. I'm more of a alternative rock guy. Uh, you know, Shane, I, I like today's music, you know? That's more, okay. Yeah, more than anything. But a lot of people love country. You're probably a country lover, right? I like all of it. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like country music, Kev? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give you bad. You'll get bad email now, Kevin. You'll get bad, um, bad email. I'm just yeah. letting you know. Yeah. My, my, my daughter loves country. My granddaughter loves country. They yeah. sing, you know, all, about Taylor Swift all the time. They know the songs memorized and... Yeah. Well, but, I love all uh, music. Me. All music is beautiful. Music is a beautiful thing in life. In fact, we really need to get more people listening to good music, don't you think, guys? You know, right? Shannon, that's that's a positive energy. Positive yeah, music. I agree. Yeah. And that's um that's definitely a fundraising event coming for me soon. I want to put on um festivals, music festivals and, and you know, because I live in Music City. Yeah. So I totally agree. So you'll do music festivals and stuff? I'll Absolutely. Come, well, when you do that, uh, when you do the, I'll come out, I'll cut the ribbon and I'll, I'll MC it for you. I'm good. Okay. I'm, I'm that would good, be awesome. I'm good oh, for, he, he is so good at talking. <laughs> I'm good for entertaining. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, Shane, I'm good for something anyways. I'm good for entertaining. At, at the very good to least. me. <laughs> at the very least, Shane. So I can. So, so, so she'll fill out your 501 kind of C yeah. or whatever. And I'll help and her out. That's and you'll be, you'll be the MC. Kevin, there you go. Now, that, that, that's what you call a win-win. I love win-wins. Right. I, I love, when we right. all win, right? That's cool. I love it. I love it. All right, so Shana, what's, I love this. I love what you're doing. I love the whole story. You have such a beautiful spirit in you. Oh, uh, thank you. Really, really good. It's amazing. And Kevin, you really have to admit, I mean, somebody to be so positioned, I mean, who comes across as well and so well-spoken that's been through so much trauma, you know? As Shana. I, I know. I, I just still marvel at people who go through adversity in their lives and they have the ability to come out and look at it on a positive way 
rather than a negative way. Well, they it, take the bad and they make it good, Kev. Right, exactly. I mean, you had asked earlier, some people have negative things happen and they blame God and they pretty much walk away where, you know, Shana did the opposite. She embraced God and then looked at the good and wants to and found purpose. And now she's out there helping others that were having the same, you know, uh, I guess, issues like her mother doesn't didn't know how to break the cycle and be healed. And Shana's out there wanting to heal others to make them feel good well, about themselves. See, this is an important point. Difference. Yeah, it's an important point, Kev. Because it, if you're spending your energy angry, right, right, and mad, then it's wasted. It's wasted. You're not going to get anywhere, right? You know, it's uh, you know, when we had uh, Dr. Gregory Williams on, and he talked about you know being abused as a child, and yeah. throughout his life by holding it in, mm-hmm. he actually had that heart trouble. They didn't know why until yeah. later, like okay, by holding it in. So Shana's like she says, we have to let it out, out or it's let going it out. to hurt us. Let it out, and that's roughly yeah. what she's asking people to do with her Facebook website is more mm-hmm. share your story and let it out and let's start to heal together. Yeah, because Shana, what happens is the what happens is this built up anger and the built up negativity and all of the hostilities in one, they begin to affect your health. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, from the inside out, for sure. And that's what happened to Dr. Gregory Williams. We, we, his talk was on a few weeks ago, and i got to tell you, he is, uh, he touched, I mean, he definitely impacted my life. The talk we did with him was absolutely in- incredible. What he'd been through in his life and what he's doing with his life now, uh, he's actually going to be doing some stuff on the platform here because uh, we've been speaking now, and he's just an incredible gift. I, I love him. In fact, he's listening. I, I can guarantee you, as this is playing on talk radio right now, he's a faithful listener to every brink of greatness story Aww. so he'll hear his name right now i know he will that's, that's awesome. cool yeah 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 it's cool because he loves the show he loves a lot of the, everybody becomes they become a fan and they want to hear these kinds of stories so all right so now you've got here wings of courage you have big goals aspirations of what you want to do domestic violence how let's take a moment here to, because there are people out there like the facebook page that kevin just talks about like other things that are going on domestic violence is a major problem. I mean, it's not just Tennessee, but there are a lot of other states that are also wrestling with domestic violence, I said. Yeah, there's, um, there's, there are so many others. South Carolina, Alaska, like Tennessee's in the top 10. And, and, and is, there, is there any connecting point to all of these states that you know, beside, I mean, or is it just the fact that... Um, do I don't know? really know the answer to that question. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. I, wonder if somebody... I, just, I don't, yeah, I just don't know if sometimes... You know, there are certain types of jobs that went away, and now the people that don't have a job and un- are unemployed. Because I found the same thing with, like, the opioid uh, crisis, is that, you know, jobs pulled out, the people had nothing to do, and all of a sudden they got addicted. And I don't know if it's similar with domestic violence. They just don't feel good about themselves. And unfortunately, they lash out at other people, which are people that they supposedly love, end up hurting them they do they do all right what we need to do now shana i let's give some best advice uh, some uh, really practices best advice practices out to folks what are some of the signs to watch for when we talk about domestic violence in a case where it turns ugly uh where again it's that violent what what should one look for and people that are listening to that might be experiencing it themselves what do they need to do yeah, um, the first thing I would tell them, um, there's this thing called a power and control wheel um, that will break it down very much into detail. You can just Google it. 
Um, but just to give you a little bit of examples, um, it basically talks about the types of abuse. There's financial abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, abuse to your children. Um, so just for instance, you know, if someone, if you feel like you're always walking on eggshells or you're just not quite perfect and they're always just mad about something. Like if you're making breakfast and the bacon's just too crispy and, you know, he flies off the handle or she flies off the handle, you know, those are the type of things that you should really pay attention to. Um, you should never feel uncomfortable, you know, you should never feel so uncomfortable that you feel like you can't be yourself around the person that you're with. Well, that you feel that you're in danger. Right. I mean, that's a problem, obviously. And like you say, if someone's acting out in certain ways, I mean, there are groups. I get, but again, it's probably hard for those people to reach out and get help, isn't it? Yeah. Um, domestic violence is such a huge thing. There's not enough organizations. Um, there are support groups that you can go to, but you kind of have to dig. They don't usually, you know, jump out. Um, so I'm hoping that with mine starting, there'll be others starting behind me and that we can all continue to break the cycle together. Well, the other problem is people probably think that the person who's abusing you will find out. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Um, so, I mean, safety planning is, is huge, you know, because you have to keep yourself safe while you're, while you're even, even if you're trying to, because if you're trying to leave the domestic violence situation, that's whenever it, the lethality rate increases, like, by 500%. Like, that's the most dangerous time um, is when you're trying to leave, um, which is basically ties into one of our first programs that we're going to launch, which is called the Flight Bag. Um, so whenever a domestic violence victim, man, woman, or child, whoever it is trying to escape from that situation, a lot of them leave with nothing except the clothes on their back. So like, imagine if you're in an argument and you are able to escape out the door and you leave, luckily, if you're able to get the keys and get the car, that's great. Cause some people can't even, they leave without a car. Um, so, but a lot of people leave, they don't have their bags packed or anything like that. So with our flight bag program, like I said, it's all tied to butterflies <laughs> with our flight bag program. Um, we're going to be able to provide these, these victims or clients with, um, hygiene items, $25 to $30 Kroger gas and, you know, food and gift card, um, a prepaid cell phone. So they can actually call to make order protections and they're not tracked where they are or make, uh, make phone calls for kids, whatever they need to do, um, safety plans, a blanket, um, things like that, things that things that will provide them with 24 to 48 hours worth of survival um, items before so they can actually get to a safe place or a shelter. Um, and then we're actually going to have hubs set up throughout Tennessee. I'm hoping to get a couple in each county um, that are called safe places and the client will be able to call a phone number and they can tell me what county they're in and I can tell them where to go to get a bag. Wow. Can you, I mean, look at the plans. I mean, these are not just hypothetical. These are realistic, very realistic. Yeah, yeah. these are things you're going to, you can tell the way you're yeah. explaining it all. I mean, you've yeah. given this a lot of thought. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, it's just amazing that she has thought this out. She has a plan. She's been, uh, actually, she, belie she believes and I believe her that this is her purpose. Uh, is to help the others, and and God is actually there to watch over and protect her. Yeah, wings of courage, wings of courage. The the Facebook page they can find you with wings of courage, right? On yeah, Facebook. It's um, wing, it's Facebook dot com forward slash wings of courage courage ministries on Facebook. Okay, and then um, the website is 
wingsofcourage.org. And there's a place on there where you can donate to the organization and help out in that way. Now, I'm going to have all these connection points in the post. Now, they'll all be at brinkofgreatness.com, friends. And they will also be on our mothership platform, uh, americaoutloud.com. As you know, the show runs on uh, the America Out Loud talk radio network. Uh, and uh, so they'll be in both places, and you'll see the story of Shana. Uh, again, this show, once it goes uh, to talk radio, it'll play Saturday and Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can hear it anywhere in the world. Um, and then it will also go to podcasts, and I love podcasts, Shana, because you get it on demand. You can hear it anytime, anywhere, you know? That's awesome. I am looking forward to talking with you more. I'm looking forward to emceeing your event in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. can't I'm wait. <laughs> looking forward, <laughs> forward to you helping me with those not-for-profit, the buy one, see three papers, which... Uh, dealing no with problem. The, 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 the big old IRS that uh, controls that, right? Right. And uh, all of that. And I am wishing you so much success, Shana, and well, so much you. happiness. More than that, happiness, okay? And, I appreciate uh, you guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, we're just getting started here. And I love these stories. Uh, I love it because you, you're able to, we're able to really learn from somebody like you, Shana, and really embrace. And you're teaching so many people cool things. And you're such a gift with all of this. You can just tell. I mean, it, it's it's instant. And it hardly gets any better than that. And what I love especially is the fact that, like Kevin, you say all the time, you're taking the adversity, you're taking the negativity or the problems and you're turning it into something beautiful. You're, you're making it something that matters and something that's gonna impact other lives. And for that, you are a brink thinker, young lady, and all of the work you're doing. So uh, thank you again for being with us here on the Brink of Greatness. And uh, you know, again, I tell you, it can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward.